This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. If you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to continue talking about the authority of the believer. And this is something that it's very important that you and I get a hold of, that you and I begin to understand. I'm going to keep teaching the authority of the believer until it just drops down into our heart. You know, it's our job to take responsibility for our relationship with God. And so I, I want to encourage you to believe God with me. I want to encourage you to believe God for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we're going to hear on a new level tonight. And so let's read Ephesians chapter 1. If you brought your Bible here, some of you have notes. Um, I didn't type all of this out. I wanted us to read it in our Bibles. You can write it down, take notes. We're talking about how to, to, to rule and reign, how to walk in our authority as a believer. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, he says, this is Paul. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. He's praying for you and I. This is a prayer that we pray over you, that we pray for ourselves. And so I want you to take ownership of the word. This is God speaking to us. And in Ephesians 1, 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in our prayers. For I always pray to the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him by having the eyes of our heart flooded with light so that we can know and understand the hope to which he has called us and how rich is our glorious inheritance, his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set apart ones. And so that I can know and understand what is the immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named above every title that can be conferred not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church. Notice what he says here, a headship exercised throughout the church. Who is the church? The church isn't... A, a, a wall or a building. The church is us. The church is people that are born again. The church is people that have come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And he's saying that Jesus, who is the head of the body, the church, notice what he says in verse 22, and he has put all things under his feet. Well, where are the feet? The feet are on the body, right? You don't have feet in your head. You have feet... They're on your body. He has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church, a headship exercised throughout the church, a headship exercised throughout the church. I want to make this statement that in order for the head to get his will done on the earth, it has to be through his body. Who is the body? We are the body of Christ. That Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. So if the head who is Jesus is going to get his will done on the earth, 
it's going to be through His body. The head doesn't have one will and the body have another will. The head doesn't have one plan or one desire and the body have another desire. Now, the thing about the body of Christ is that we have a will. We have a desire. We have a say-so of how much His will is done on earth just like it is in heaven. Just because it's His will in heaven doesn't mean His will is going to be done on earth unless we say yes to Him unless we say yes to His Word. I wrote this down in my notes a couple of days ago. It's important that we have a deep yes when it comes to God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, All the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him amen. So it's important that we say yes to God. How, how deep is your yes? Yes, I want to go to heaven. Well, that's a good start. It's a good step. Yes, I want to come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Yes. But does your yes take you from blind to seen, from sick to healed, from lack to abundance, from defeat to victory? How far does your yes take you? I want my yes to take me all the way where I'm experiencing. If it's in the Bible, I want to walk in it. I want to live in it. I want to taste it, touch it, feel it, experience all that God has. How deep is your yes? I encourage you to walk around your home and just practice saying, yes, yes, Lord, yes, 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 yes. Whatever, whatever you say, it's yes. You want to supply my needs according to your riches and glory? Yes. You are the God that heals me? Yes. You are the God that has forgiven me? Yes. You are the God that supplies mercy that's new every single day? Yes, Lord. Yes. I say yes, 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 yes. Colossians chapter 1, just go to the right of where we're at. And so you see, as you're turning over there, I'll read verse 23. He's talking about Jesus being the head. He's talking about us being the body. He's talking about the headship being exercised through the body. I want us to get this. Where is the body? It is on earth. Where is the head? The head is at the right hand of the Father. Who is Jesus? So the power of the head and body isn't separated. He doesn't have power there and the body have no power here. The same power that Jesus has is the same power that the body has. Verse 23, Ephesians 1, 23, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all, for in that body lives the full measure of Him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with Himself. Now in Ephesians chapter 2, you can keep reading it in your own time, but he talks about at one point in time, you and I, we were dead in our sins. We were, we were under the sway of the spirit of the world, the spirit of disobedience that is still operating in this world when people disobey. He says, but when we were separated from God and Jesus died on the cross and was buried, when God raised Jesus, He raised the body. He just didn't raise the head. When He raised the head, He raised the body. Who's the body? Say, I am. It says that He quickened the head. When He quickened the head, He quickened the body. Who's the body? Say it, I am. I, I am the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Together, we are the body of Christ, and the little finger has just as much power as, as the head. It says the headship is exercised through the body. The body is upon the earth. In order for God's plan to get done upon the earth, it's going to come through the body. People say, well, we don't need God. God can do whatever He wants to. That is not true. The head needs the body and the body needs the head. We need God and God needs us. 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. I'll get over there. Colossians 1, 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Notice this. And he is the head of the body, the church. Who is the head of the body, the church? Jesus. See, the body can't get anything done without the head, and the head can't get anything done without the body. I mean, I don't encourage you to try it, but if you were to separate somebody's head from their body, they're not going to get anything done, right? We don't, we don't call, you know, one guy's head, hey, 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 head, David, and we call his body Jim. No, we call the head and the body the same name. The head is Jesus. We are the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is the head and we are the body. We are the body of Christ. So I want us to see this picture here that in order for the head to get his will done on the earth, it's going to come through the body. Your body can't do anything without the head and the head can't do anything without the body. So when God raised Jesus Christ, who is the head from the dead, he raised you and I from the dead. When he quickened the head and he stripped the principalities and powers and he gave the authority to the head, he gave the authority to the body. Colossians chapter 2. Let's just start in verse 12. Colossians 2, 12. Buried him in baptism, which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. They made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now I want to read in the Amplified Colossians 2 verses 14 and 15. Having canceled and blotted out and wiped away the handwriting of the note, the bond with its legal decrees and demands, which was enforced, stood against us, hostile to us, this note with its regulations, decrees, and demands, he set aside and cleared completely out of our way by nailing it to the cross. Now, what he's talking about here, like in, in, in the old times, if people were totally in debt and they, there was no way that they could pay for it themselves, they would write their debt upon a note, upon a piece of paper, everything that they owed, and they would stick it outside their home and they would nail it, hoping that somebody had the means and the resources to come by and they were generous enough to see all the debt that they were in and they would write on it paid in full and that person was completely clear of their debt. And he's saying this is what happened with you and I. That there's no way you and I could pay for all the sin in our life. There's no way you and I could, could purchase a relationship with God. There's nothing, we don't have the means or the resources in ourselves. And it says this is what Jesus did. He looked at all of our sins and all of the separation from man, from God, and He wrote, paid in full, you're completely free of all your debt, and now there's a way to relationship with Almighty God. Verse 15, and he says, And God, 
disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display and a public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in it the cross. I want to read it again. God disarmed. He disarmed principalities and powers that were ranged against who? Us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in Him and in it the cross. So whenever God... See, Satan tried to defeat Jesus. He tried to hold Jesus back. He tried to shut Him down. He tried. He tried to keep you and I separated from God. But God, in Jesus, disarmed the principalities and powers... He, he stripped the enemy of all his authority. Where did he get the authority? He got the authority from Adam. When Adam sinned, God, at one time, Adam was the little g, God of this world. When Adam sinned, he gave the dominion and authority to Satan. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, Now Satan is the God of this world. So God sent Jesus that disarmed principalities and powers that stripped the devil of his power and authority. He isn't bigger than the church. He isn't bigger than Jesus. He's not bigger than the Holy Spirit. And you're in Jesus. Jesus is in us if we're born again children of God. So when God raised Jesus, gave Jesus the victory over principalities and powers, He gave you and I victory over principalities and powers. Okay, so sometimes we, we leave stuff in the unseen. So let's bring it into what we can see today because there's still demonic activity in today's society. Look around. But anything that kills, steals, and destroys is of the demonic. It is of Satan. It is, Satan is behind sickness. Satan is behind disease. Satan is behind division and racism. Satan is behind anything that kills, steals, and destroys. So when God disarmed the principalities and powers, brought him to nothing, Hebrews 2.14 says, brought him to naught, brought him to zilch, disarmed him, he disarmed sickness. He disarmed lack. He disarmed addiction. He disarmed pornography. He disarmed divorce. He disarmed strife. He disarmed anything that kills, steals, and destroys. Anything that is sent to destroy mankind, He disarmed it. It doesn't have more power and authority than we do. But we have failed in this area. We haven't exercised our authority and dominion over Satan. We've been afraid of Satan instead of Satan being afraid of us because we know who we are in Christ Jesus. Now, in ourself, we don't have the wits, the smarts, the brilliance, the power to de defeat Satan and the kingdom of darkness, but we're not by ourselves. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Greater. He's greater than addiction. He's greater than lack. He's greater than sickness. He's greater than poverty. He's greater than principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. He is greater. So whatever's holding us back, whatever is hindering us, we need to stand up and we need to start opening our mouth and let it know you don't have dominion and authority over me. Oppression, you don't have dominion and authority over me. Lack, you don't have dominion and authority over me. Storms, tornadoes, hell, just the other day we were in a, a hell storm and we prayed and spoke to the clouds and the hell kept coming and I told Gus, I said, this is where people lose their authority because we can get to looking at what's going on and talk us out what we seek and talk us out of who we are. 
said, we're not moved by this. The blood of Jesus covers our rigs. I don't care if the hell's coming down or not. Angels have charge over us. There'll be no destruction, no dent, no damage. And the stuff was just coming down, pounding. And sure enough, no dent, no damage. But if we get to talking, the other day, Heather and I, we were dealing with the situation of a, a sickness in one of our animals. And, and if we would have kept looking at the symptoms, it would have talked us out of our authority. But because we looked at the healer who is Jesus and, and stood our ground, healing had to flow in that animal. Don't allow what you see to talk you out of who you are and what you have in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, We walk by faith and not by sight. Not by our feelings. Not by what it appears. So we need to step back and say, Okay, how am I doing? Am I letting what the bank account talk me out of my destiny? Am I allowing what the doctor says to talk me out of my healing? That's my inheritance. Am I letting what the economy is doing or what the government is doing talk me out of what God says about me? The government doesn't determine the kingdom of God. So what, what, what where am I at in my thinking? Where am I at in my believing? Where am I? Because see, the enemy wants us to give up. He wants us to get so beat down in our mind and so beat down in our heart that we just throw in the towel and say, it doesn't quit. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't count. It doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't happen for everybody. When that is a lie from the enemy himself, the word works for everybody who will work it. If it's not working, it's not God's fault and God is not a liar. I've got to look right here if the Word is not working in my life. God's Word always works. Say that with me. God's Word always works. His Word always works. You need to tell yourself that God's Word always works. Mark chapter 4, verse 13 through 20, it explains how Satan comes to steal the Word because the Word is what produces the will of God. There's a reason why Paul said in Galatians 6, 9, don't grow weary in well-doing for at the proper time you'll reap if you faint not. He says there's a time there that you're going to have the opportunity to grow weary. Growing comes, growing weary comes by thinking about the problem, by looking at the problem, by being moved by how we feel and what it looks like and what it appears. Say, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Go, go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. That's to the right of where we're at there. We have dominion and authority. Say that. We have dominion and authority. Say it. We have dominion and authority. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. And there's times that you need to let the devil know. You need to let your body know. You need to let your finances know. You need to let circumstances know. I will not quit. I will not quit believing God's Word. I will not quit declaring God's Word. I will not quit thinking on God's Word. I will not quit. Say, I will not quit. Hebrews 10, verse 35. In the New King James, it says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, notice this, if anyone draws back, 
If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We don't back off. We don't back down. We don't quit because of pressure. We don't quit because of circumstances. We don't quit because of the government or the economy. We don't quit believing God's Word, thinking God's Word, declaring God's Word. We're not of those who draw back. Say, it's not in me. It's not in me. We go forward and we keep believing what God has promised us in His Word regardless of what we see. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 18. Now, in order for God's will to be done on earth, there has to be agreement on earth. In order for God's will to be done the same way that it is in heaven, there has to be agreement on the earth. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. He is teaching the disciples to pray, and He says, Pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on where? earth as it is where? In heaven. So, so let's look at this in Matthew 18. This is, this is on your notes there. Matthew chapter 18. He says, truly, I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful, where? Talk to me, on earth, must be what is already forbidden, where? In heaven. So we see the connection in heaven and on earth. And he goes on, and whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth, where? On earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. So he says, in other words, there's a relationship taking place here that you've spent enough time in God's word. What reveals to me God's will is God's word. And so he says, okay, so I tell you whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. In other words, he's saying you've spent enough time in the presence of God to discover there's no sickness in heaven, so sickness is illegal on earth in your life. You've spent enough time with the Father to realize that strife and division and hatred and racism is not in heaven, so it is up to you to forbid it on earth. So he's saying if my will is going to get done on earth, just like it is in heaven, it's going to have to come through somebody. And he goes on to say, and whatever you, who? You. He's talking to mankind. You permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. In other words, you've spent enough time in the presence of the Father. You've spent enough time in the Bible. You've spent enough time learning that, okay, there's certain things that God wants to be lawful on earth, but the only way it's going to be lawful, the only way it's going to be loose, the only way it's going to be permitted in my life is if I give it permission. Have you given your dream permission to come to pass on earth just like it is in heaven? Have you given resources the permission to come into your life? Have you given healing permission to come into your body? Maybe your family has been under the curse of cancer, AIDS, whatever it is, tuberculosis for decades upon decades, but somebody has to give the, the word permission to work on earth just like it is in heaven. I give permission, uh, prosperity and abundance of permission to be on earth just like it is in heaven. I give healing permission to be in my family's body and the curse has to stop in the name of Jesus. We've got to give it permission. Right. Are you giving God's Word permission 
on earth because you found out it's already his will in heaven and he wants it on earth. He goes on to say, again, I tell you, say me, if two of you agree on earth, on where? On earth, notice the connection between earth and heaven, just like there's a connection between the head and the body. So we have His will in heaven. We have the head in heaven. His will on earth. We have the body on earth. So He said, so if two of you on earth agree, harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever and anything and everything they may ask, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. It will come to pass and be done for them by my Father where? In heaven. So we are on the earth and he is in heaven and he says it will come to pass by our Father in heaven when on earth we give it permission by agreeing, by asking according to his will. Let's keep going. My Father in heaven, for wherever two or three are gathered, drawn together as my followers in and into my name, there I am in the midst of them. There I am in the midst of them. There I am in the midst of them. I I thought he was in heaven, so how can he be in the midst of them? Go with me to Mark chapter 16. This isn't in your notes, but it's in your Bible. Mark chapter 16. And notice he says, now, now, nowhere in the New Testament we're talking about, okay, how do we walk in our authority and dominion? How do we get God to show up? How, how do we get His will from heaven to earth? We've got to give it permission, say permission. Here in Mark chapter 16, this is after Jesus uh, was raised from the dead. Let's just start in verse 14. Mark 16, 14 in the New King James Version. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Now pause there for a moment. Notice when Jesus, the first encounter he has with them, he doesn't say, man, good job, guys. Way to stick in there. You know, how's your day? Was fishing good today? No, what did he do? He rebuked their unbelief. He rebuked the hardness of heart because... He knows that he can operate in an environment of unbelief. Matthew 15, verse 6, he says, It's the traditions of men that make the word of God of no effect. He's saying, in other words, you're believing your traditions more than you're believing my word, so I can't be effective. Let's keep going. Verse, he said, He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Now follow me here. Verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go, go into all the world. Now in Mark, Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he says, all power and authority has been given to me. Then he turns around and he gives it to the disciples and he says, now you go. You go. You go and make disciples. And so right here he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They they will lay hands upon the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, notice this, the head, Jesus, so, so where we're at here, Adam had the dominion and authority. 
He gave the dominion and authority over to Satan. God sent Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross. Jesus went to hell for you and I. He took our place. He stripped the dominion and authority from Satan, was raised from the dead. He says, all power and authority has been given unto me. Now I give it unto you. Now you go and you lay your hands. You go. And if you drink any deadly thing, it will not harm you. You go and you will speak in new tongues. He's saying, you go and my will will be done on earth as it is in heaven as you go. And he goes on, verse 19, after he gives them this instruction, so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was raised up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So notice this, the head was raised. Verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. In the Amplified, it says, And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord kept working with them and confirming the message by testing signs, miracles that closely accompanied it. Amen. They had spent enough time learning the will of God, which we have the Word of God, which reveals the will of God. And as they put the Word into motion, they were doers Jesus, who is at the right hand of the Father, who is the head, works through the body to demonstrate His power on earth, not separate from the body, but through the body. Not separate from the body, but in the body. Not separate from the body, but for those who give Him permission for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So notice the connection between earth and heaven. God wants us to have a deep yes, saying, yes, Lord, your power can flow to me and through me. Yes, Lord, your word can work, take root in my heart and come to pass in my life. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, he says, he gives us his great and precious promises, and that by these, the great and precious promises, which reveal the will of God, you become a partaker of the divine nature of God. You become a partaker of the will of God. You go to heaven, you, you spend time in the throne room of God, getting His heart, getting His mind, getting His word, getting His will, and you step out and do it, and Jesus, who's at the right hand of the Father, begins to work in the body, which is you and I, and His will is done on earth, just like it is in heaven. Does the devil have more power and authority than God? No. Does sickness and disease have more power and authority than God? Does lack, does, does division, does anything that kills, steals, and destroys have more power and authority than God? No. And it doesn't have more power and authority than you and I because we're in Him and He's in us. He's the head and we're the body. Are you with me? James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself to God, resist, which means to fight back. It means to push away. Resist the devil and he will flee. Resist the lack and it will flee. Resist the sickness and it will flee. Resist the division and it will flee. Fight back. The curse is running rampant on the earth, but God is saying, fight back. We can't wait for God to do anything because he's already done it. We can't wait for Jesus to defeat the devil because he's already done it. Don't wait for the devil to show up with a red suit and pitchfork and horns. Anything that kills, steals, and destroys, he says, you do something about it. You resist the devil and he has to flee. You have my name. You speak in my name. You lay hands upon the sick. You tell it to flee. Ephesians 4.27 in the New Testament. He says, you give the devil no place. 
You don't see God doing anything about the devil until the body, because he's already defeated the devil, he's given the power and authority to us on earth. He says, now you do something about it. There's a connection between heaven and earth. If I want to walk in the will of God, the power of God, the dominion and authority that God has given me, I've got to have a deep yes. And there, there's got to be permission giving. God, I give you permission. I give your word permission. I give your will permission. Uh, go with me to Isaiah 43. We have more power and authority than what we've walked in. There's a connection between earth and heaven. There's a connection between us and God. There's a connection, and His name is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. We come to the Father through Jesus. The same power that's on the head is the same power that's on the body. The same triumph. Notice in Colossians 2.15, it says that, that He spoiled the principalities and powers, and He made a public spectacle of Him triumphing, over him in it, the cross. In, in that day and age, when they would take territory, they would defeat a king. They would, they, while he was tied up and bound up, he would, they would parade that, that king that was defeated before everybody else. And this is what he's saying that Jesus did in the corridors of, of hell when he stripped Satan of his power and authority. He led him through. He led him through, letting everybody know, I win. Letting, letting every devil in hell know he's defeated. Jesus said, and I've got the name that's above every name, and that name is more powerful than anything. It rec it's recognized in heaven, it's recognized on earth, and it's recognized under the earth. And Jesus gave us the power of that name upon the earth because we are His children, we are His body. Now, Isaiah 43 the connection between heaven and earth. Notice what he says in verse 25 in the Amplified. He says, I, even I, am he who blots out and cancels your transgressions. Notice this, for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins for my own sake. You know, the Father is not remembering your sins. Say that, God is not remembering my sins. He says, why? Not necessarily for your sake. He says, for my sake. If you have kids, I mean, you, you get it. You don't want to remember bad stuff about your kids. You just see the good. I mean, your kid could be the biggest screw up there is, and you're going to find the one good thing about him. <laughs> because that's the love of a parent. And he's saying, I don't want to remember your sins. Jesus took sin upon his body, so I don't have to remember sin. He says, and it's for my sake. For my sake. And he goes on, I will not remember your sins. Then he says, now put me in remembrance. Remind me of your merits. Let us plead and argue together. Set forth your case that you may be justified and proved right. Notice he says, realize that I'm not seeing you through sin. I see you through the blood of Jesus. Now, because there's a way you and I, for, for us to have relationship, he says, put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance of my word. Put me in remembrance of our rights. Put me in remembrance. He says, why do I want you to put me in remembrance? Because when you give the word back to God, it gives God a right to move upon the earth. God needs words upon the earth to operate. So when you're talking to God, he says, put me in remembrance. He says, let us plead together. 
So when you find scripture, it's, it's like a lawyer finding evidence about a case and you're saying, God, your word says that you took infirmity and you bore sickness and by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And he says, now I can argue with you on earth and my will can be done on earth just like it is in heaven. God, you said you would supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God says, now we can talk about the situation. I have something that I can work with. As you start to put God in remembrance of his word, of your rights as a child of God, faith begins to come. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And he is the one that takes the word from the heart of the Father and he reveals it to us. That's part of his job. He teaches it to us. And God says, now you and I can talk about your situation. You and I can talk about, for example, you're, 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 you're putting him in remembrance. God, you, Psalms 103, God, you sent your word and you healed every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. God, Galatians chapter 3, you redeemed me from the curse of sickness and the Holy Spirit, this is what it looks like. And then the Holy Spirit will start saying, yes, I have. And the instruction is, cut out this of your diet and this of your diet and this of your diet. Oh, that ain't what I want to hear, Lord. I just want you just to heal me now. Heal me now. <laughs> and he says, now put me, and you keep putting God in remembrance, and he'll keep talking to you because he has healing on his mind for you and I. Or, or maybe it's financially. You're talking to him. God, I, I put you in remembrance. Isaiah 48, 17, that, that you are the Lord my God, the Holy One of Israel, and you teach me to profit. You teach me to profit. And the whole time, he's, you're putting him in remembrance, and he says, yes, I, I do want you to profit, but but you don't tithe. Oh God, let's don't talk about tithe. God, you said you'd lead me to profit. See, he said, now we can talk because you're using my word. You're putting me in remembrance of my will, my word. Now we can talk. He says, now you're giving me something to operate with. Are you with me? See the connection between heaven and the connection on earth? Go with me to John chapter 15. I know this is more teaching tonight. This is more uh, meat, but we, we want results in our life, right? We want to know how. How do I walk in dominion? How do I walk in authority? As you're going to John 15, uh, I, I want us to hold our place there. Go with me to Genesis chapter 18, because we need to see the connection uh, from heaven to earth. How, how does God operate? God needs words. God needs a man or woman who gives him permission, who, who puts him in remembrance, who, who builds a case with him who talks to him. Genesis chapter 18, this is the, the story of Abraham. And, and he, he's talking to God in verse uh, Genesis 18. Now what, what's happened here is this is Sodom and Gomorrah. God has sent angels in to rescue Sodom and Gomorrah, but the perversion was so great that the men of the city wanted to have sex with the men. And, and so Lot goes out and he's trying to talk talk to the guy. So don't you you don't want to do this because Lot knew they were sent from God, but they were so perverted they said, We're fixing to have our way with you. And so the angels reach out and they grab Lot, they bring him back in. And and so Abraham is he's talking to God about about Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 23, and Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? 
Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Notice this, so he's, he's talking to the Lord. He's, 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 he's putting a case before the Lord because he knows that God is righteous. And so he's, he's putting him in remembrance that he's the judge of all the earth. He's putting him in remembrance that he is a righteous judge. And in verse 20, um, 26, Then the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sake. Verse 27, Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed, now I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than fifty righteous. And he goes down, and what's he doing? He's communicating with God. And the only way that God could spare the family is because somebody released words upon the earth. A lot of times the reason God's will is not being done upon the earth as it is in heaven is because He haven't found people to give Him permission on the earth. They haven't opened their mouth and resist. God doesn't want the devil kicking it out of His people, out of His kids. He's already defeated him, but the only way he can back him up, he's given us power and authority. The only way he can back us up is when we open our mouth and we resist the devil and he has to flee. The only way he can enforce it, he's, he's backed us up, given us dominion and authority and power. The only way he can back us up is when we give the devil no place. The only way that he can bring healing as far as when we lay hands upon the sick, when we speak to the sickness and disease. God wants these things. The only way he can bring provision is when we work with him and and we're obedient to what he says concerning finances. We give, and then he says, then I will put, put you on the hearts and minds of people all around the world to give unto you. He needs permission. Say, I'm going to give him permission. Abraham was putting him in remembrance of who he was, putting him in remembrance of his right. Go with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Once again, there's a connection between earth and heaven. There's a connection in order for God's will to be done on earth. He has to find somebody who spent some time with him and says, okay, this is your will and I give your will, I give your word, I give your spirit, I give, I give you permission to show up in my life. Luke chapter 18, remember what Abraham said? He says, God, you're the, you're the righteous judge of all the earth. Now keep that in mind. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. I'm just going to read this. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and do not lose heart. <clears throat> Pause for a moment. What is a key factor in you and I not losing heart? In the Amplified it says, so you don't faint, you don't lose heart, and you don't give up. If you're a person of prayer, it is going to empower you not to give up. If you're a person of prayer, instead of your heart growing faint, your heart will get stronger. So I just wanted to, to put that out there. Verse 2 in the Amplified, he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither reverenced or feared God nor respected and considered uh, or considered man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him. Notice the, the, those words. Kept coming to him and saying, 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 it doesn't say that she was thinking. She was saying, what was she doing? 
She was saying, how does God work upon the earth? Somebody who says something, somebody who opens their mouth. She was saying, protect, defend, give me justice against my adversary. An adversary is anybody who's coming against you. And he goes on, verse 4, And for a time he would not, but later he said to himself, Though I have neither reverence or fear for God, nor respect or consideration for men, yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will defend, I will protect, I will avenge her, lest she give me intolerable annoyance and wear me out by her continual coming, or at the last she come and rail on me and assault me and strangle me. Now, you know somebody like that, right? Her picture just came right up in your face right there. Now, let's go on. Verse 6, Then the Lord said, Notice who's talking here? The Lord. Jesus, the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. He's unjust. He doesn't care about people. He's unjust. Say unjust. Verse 7, And will not our just God defend, protect, and avenge His elect, His chosen ones, who cry to Him day and night? Will He defer them and delay help on their behalf? Notice this, he's saying, Now if an unjust judge man will defend, will protect, and will avenge. The word avenge means to stop the enemy of his attack and to make him pay what he's stolen. That's what the word avenge means. He says, and this unjust judge who doesn't care anything about God or anything about man, because her continual coming, because of her persistence, because of her faith, he will make the enemy stop and pay her back what he stole. Then Jesus speaks up and he says, if an unjust judge, an unjust man will do this, how much more will our just God defend, protect, and avenge, avenge meaning make the enemy stop and make him pay back everything that he stole, and he uses the word avenge them speedily. Not in 20 years, not in 50 years, not in 100 years. He says he will make them stop. Speedily God is going to show up. Speedily God is going to protect. Speedily God is going to provide. He goes on, however, when the Son of Man comes, what, what's going to draw him? What's going to give him permission to show up on the earth when the Son of Man comes? Will he find persistence in faith upon the where? Earth. So in other words, he's saying, when I show up into your life, am I going to find faith or am I going to find religion? Am I going to find somebody who isn't playing church, but they are persistent? They are giving me permission, whether it looks like I'm showing up or it doesn't look like it. God, I give you permission. He says, this person I'm going to protect. This person I'm going to defend. This person I'm going to avenge. Speedily, I'm going to make the devil stop and I'm going to make him pay back everything that he stole from my person who keeps coming to me, who keeps giving me permission, who keeps putting me in remembrance of my word. We're going to argue together. My super's coming on, they're natural, and I'm going to show up on earth just like I'll show up in heaven. But he says, I need faith. Not in heaven. He says, I need faith on the earth. And the only way that faith comes is by the Word of God. You don't get faith by just showing up at church. You don't get faith by having a bumper sticker that says Jesus lives. You don't get faith by dangly earrings. You don't get faith by a ball cap. 
I remember I, I was at this rope one time and I had Jesus across my ball cap. And this guy, he working the, he's working the shoots and he looks up at me and he says, uh, hey, my name is on your hat. His name was Jesus, but he saw Jesus. I said, yes, but is he in your heart? Right? We need Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Faith doesn't come by a hat, by a t-shirt. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes when you spend time in the presence of God, going to heaven, going to your inheritance. This is your seed book from heaven, and you get this seed, and you plant it in your heart, and you open your mouth. He says, whenever you find out what's lawful, and you give it permission on the earth, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. My super is going to come on your natural, and it's going to show up on earth, because I found somebody who had faith. So can I put my picture right there? You know, the old encyclopedias, the old dictionaries, you know, and, uh, you know, you're looking for a platypus and, and there's a picture of a little platypus in the, in the encyclopedia. Well, when it looks at faith, can it see your picture? When it looks at persistence, can, can it see your picture? When it looks at somebody who doesn't faint or lose heart or cave in or quit, can God see your picture? In order for me to walk in dominion and authority, I've got to realize there's a connection on earth and there's a connection in heaven, and God wants me to put him in remembrance. It, it'll bring faith. If you just start presenting the word back to God, you're, you're building a case. Go with me to John 15. We're getting ready to be done. John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. This is Jesus talking, and he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Now notice this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's a qualifier. Remember, we're, we're putting God in remembrance. God is saying, put me in remembrance so we can argue your case together. So I can, in the Amplified it says, so I can prove you right. See, the devil wants to prove you wrong. He wants to prove your body wrong with cancer, sickness, disease. He wants to prove you wrong. But God says, if you'll put me in remembrance of my word, I'll prove you right. The devil wants to prove your finances wrong, but God wants to prove your finances right. He wants The devil wants to prove your family wrong, but God wants to prove your family right. The devil wants to prove your destiny wrong, but God wants to prove your destiny right. He says, but the only way I can make it right is when you put me in remembrance of my word and I find somebody who is releasing my word upon the earth, releasing my promises upon the earth. Is it going to be you? Because it ain't just going to happen. It's going to happen whenever we're being doers of God's Word. In John 15, Jesus said, If you will abide in me and my words abide in you, my words abide in you, you've spent enough time in my presence and you've allowed my Word to come into your heart, He says, Now you will ask what you will, what you Desire, Because through time, your desire comes into alignment with God's and you're not going to ask anything that is not of His will. And the word ask, one of the meanings of the word ask is not like a question, it's the word demand. He says, when you abide in my word and you realize what your inheritance is, 
you're going to start demanding stuff. Not demanding from God. You demand your inheritance. You let the devil know sickness, you don't belong in my body. Lack, you don't belong in my life. Division, you don't belong in my life. Joy, peace, hope, love, peace belong in my life. You start to give God's word permission and you start to demand the devil and every demon spirit of son to destroy your life to get out of here in Jesus' name. He says, by this, my Father is glorified. Now we all say, oh, I want to give God glory. Well, give God glory by kicking the devil right in the teeth, putting him under your feet, by, by sticking it right up his nose, taking everything that he has tried to destroy your life with and turn it around and give God an opportunity to prove you right. He says, by this, my Father is glorified when you get your prayers answered. By this, my Father is glorified when your needs are met. By this, my Father is glorified when you overcome the problem that you're going through. By this, my Father is glorified when you get a case, you present a case, you put Him in remembrance of what He said, and His will manifest on earth just like it does in heaven. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, Jesus said, I, I'm going to my Father. He says, but I need you to realize that whatever you ask, the word ask, demand, whatever you demand, he said, I'll do it. I want us to look at that. John 14, just back up a chapter. I want you to see it with your own eyes. John 14, verses 12 through 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask, the word ask, the word demand, whatever you demand in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you demand anything in my name, I will do it. See, there's a time to pray where you're, you're getting the will of God, you're getting the heart of God, you're allowing the word to fill your heart, but then you come out of that time of prayer and you begin to to say. Right here he's not talking about praying. Right here he's talking about saying. He says, because you spent time with me and you believe I want my will to be done on earth just like it is in heaven and you see something that's proved wrong, you open your mouth and you begin to demand it in the name of Jesus. He says, and I'll prove it right. I've told you story after story of times that, that tornadoes have been coming and I speak to the thing. I demand it to get up in there. I'm not asking it. Oh, tornado, please go. I demand you to lift in the name of Jesus. Cancer, I demand you to fall off that person's face in the name of Jesus. He says, because you're demanding what is wrong to become right, my super comes upon your natural. My will is done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, put me in remembrance so you and I can argue together. Are you with me? It is time for the body of Christ to walk in our dominion and authority. We have more dominion and authority than we've recognized. It is time for us to rise up and be lights shining in darkness. But this just doesn't happen. This isn't just for church. This is, this is, this is Monday through Sunday. This is at home. God wants to show up in our workplaces. He wants us to show up going down the road. You know, not too long ago, we were, I was driving... Uh, down the road and I see this horse trailer off on the side of the road and, and I look out and they're leading this horse and this horse is flopping down in the bar ditch and, and getting up and I get out and I was pretty sure I knew that the horse's stomach was colicking and twisting and everything and I'm listening because the Lord knows exactly where people are at. Remember in John chapter 5 this pool of Bethesda and there are sick people all around the place but God doesn't go to each and every one of them. He goes to one person who'd been in a condition for 38 years. And he says, do you want to be made whole? 
Why didn't he go to everybody? See, he's looking for faith. He knows exactly where we're at. And, and there's different ways of healing shows up. There's times that Jesus sent the word only. There's times that he says, lay hands on the sick. There's times that he says, grab the elders and anoint, anoint them with oil. There's, there's times that the gifts of the Spirit show up. And so it's important to get results that we listen. We listen. We don't stick God in a box and this is the way you got to do it all the time. But this girl, her horse is flopping, falling down. The vet shows up, you know, they want to they wanna put the horse down and everything. And, and I'm asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? And he had me speak, not ask, not pray. I didn't ask the horse's stomach to, to be calm. I demanded it. I commanded the intestines to untie, to loosen whatever was blocking it, to dissipate in the name of Jesus. The horse was completely healed and within an hour she was competing on the horse at the rodeo. But see, there's a time to pray and then there's a time to say. There's a time of relationship and there's a time of release. But if there's no relationship, there'll never be a release. He says, put me in remembrance of my word. The more we put God in remembrance of his word, the more faith comes. And he says, now I can direct you what to say, where to go and what to do. We have more authority than what we've walked in. I want to encourage you to let, let's get our faith up there. Put, put God in remembrance when it comes to wisdom. Let's put God in remembrance when it comes to finances. Let's put God in remembrance when it comes to health and healing. Let's put God in remembrance of His Word and watch how your faith will grow, your faith will elevate, and He, you, you give Him permission to show up. Can we pray? Father, we just love You so much, and I'm so grateful for how good You are to us. I'm so thankful for what You're revealing to us about Your Word and about your heart, and about your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, I seal this word by the Spirit of God, and I declare it does not return void. And if there's any people watching tonight, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you just stir them on the inside. If they've never called upon the name of Jesus, that right where they're at, they call upon the name of Jesus. Let's just pray this simple prayer together. If you're watching, you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Just say, Father God, tonight is the night that I make the decision to believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead to give me life, and I accept that life. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior. And according to your word, I'm saved cleansed, forgiven, and I can be certain that I'll spend eternity with Almighty God. Let us know if you prayed that prayer for the very first time. And the rest of us watching, the rest of us here, I want us to say this out loud. I want to say, devil, you are defeated. I have dominion over doubt, fear, unbelief, sickness, lack, oppression, depression, I resist you in the name of Jesus. I have dominion. I have authority in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we worship you and we honor you and we bless you. And I declare, devil, you cannot steal this word from us that even while we sleep, the Spirit of God continues to minister to us, continues to teach us, continues to reveal to us the heart of our Father. Holy Spirit, help us come up 
come up in our thinking, come up in our believing, come up in our persistence, come up in our diligence, come up in our honor, come up in our hunger, that we are hungry for the reality, the realization of your goodness, your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.